Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corbin Heller. And we are once again in the same room. Yeah, so I actually uh, want to start off something. Um, my mother complained to me today that uh, you always say that you're the host, and I just say my name. And she was concerned people would be confused as to who the host of this podcast is. So if you haven't figured it out by now, people, <laughs> um, I host this show along with Josh. <laughs> so shout out to you, Ma, our only <laughs> listener. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yes, yes, Corwin, in fact, does help host the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> not only not only does he does he co-host the podcast, he he co-pays for it. He 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 co-researches for it. Um, literally everything I do, <laughs> Corwin also does. So I, I don't yeah. know why my mom would like. I'm sure she's only listened to like two episodes. I'm your host, ever. Joshua Tracy, and this is perpetual guest. <laughs> Corwin yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just some guy that happens to always be here. Yeah, yeah. I just always record when you're over or on yeah, Discord. You know. or, yeah. <laughs> oh, mom. Uh, yeah. Anyway, happy New Year yeah, happy uh, New to Year. you, Corwin, and to our our listeners out there. It is um, it's actually New Year's Day as we're recording this, January first. Year of the <laughs> in case rat. You didn't know when that was. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, it's. I don't think it's Chinese New Year yet, or it already was. I don't follow their calendar, <laughs> but it is Year of the Rat. <laughs> How funny would it be if, like, instead of all the clocks on the walls that you see at, like, in, like, newsrooms on TV, they had just a bunch of calendars? <laughs> <laughs> sure. The Chinese calendar, the, uh, the the Gregorian calendar, the Jewish calendar, The I'm sure Vietnam has their own. I don't know. Hey, Dave, um, what time's our meeting tomorrow? I don't know, Thursday. <laughs> It's it's not it's not it's not like Olive th- the second. No, it's not, Dave. It, it's January fifth, and uh, you still fucking suck. Yeah, our next meeting is actually uh, National um, Pogo Stick Day. So uh, National Pogo Stick that. Day. That yeah. was the first thing that came yeah. to mind for you was Pogo sticks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the inner machinations of my mind oh, are an enigma. enigma. And we got sued for saying that <laughs> by Nickelodeon. Now the guy who created it's dead now, so he can't sue anybody. Thank God. All right, so uh, we're gonna do a little bit of around the horn style stuff, and then we'll uh, we'll close out the show since today is our stats episode, and this is a third major holiday y'all have been with us for. We will do the thing that we've been doing, which is holiday statistics for New Year's uh, Eve and day. Yeah, you ready to get started? Sure. All right, what's the first thing on our docket? Uh, let's start with David Stern because that one's sad. That one's sad, yeah. and um, so longtime NBA commissioner David Stern passed away today. Um, after dealing with uh, brain hemorrhage since October, um, he was seventy-seven years old. Um, I we talk about you know not being into basketball very much. Neither of us are major basketball fans or NBA fans, but. It's hard not to mention uh, someone who's done so much to one of the major sports like uh, David Stern. He is uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, reason why basketball is such a huge sport it is today, um, especially in the U.S. So our hearts go out to him and his family. Yeah, he um, notable events during David Stern's tenure. Relocation of six NBA franchises, the Clippers, the Kings, the Grizzlies, the Nets, the Hornets, and the formerly named Supersonics. That's big. That's a lot. That is a lot. 
seven new NBA teams. The Hornets, the Timberwolves, the Magic, the Heat, the Grizzlies, the Raptors, and the Bobcats. The Bobcats have been since changed. Yes, the they Hornets. are now the Hornets. Yeah, yeah, okay, that confused the shit out of me. All right. Uh, that's also pretty fucking big. I mean... Expansions what? are big in their own right, but seven new teams yeah. is huge. I guess it's six new franchises, I guess, because one of them is just transitioning. Like, it was, it changed locations and changed names, but, like... A Browns the situation. Bone, yeah, the bones of that franchise are the same. I'm trying to think of... Oh, uh, who else might have seen? Because Goodell won't see that many. When did he start? No. Goodell? Uh, did he start pre-Texans? I don't think so. So then he hasn't seen any. I, th- I feel like he's definitely uh, like this millennium. I think only. so too. I have like a. I don't know why I'm picturing an 0506 start for him. I'm looking it up now. So. While you're doing that, um, the commissioner of the NHL will have seen a, a few because we're going to get a new Seattle team, a new Vegas. We have a new Vegas team already. Um, 2005? Six. 2006. All right, so the note, Goodell hasn't seen any. I thought that would be in a more effective way of transferring <laughs> information. It clearly wasn't because I stopped you dead in your tracks. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Uh, baseball, God knows. We have we rarely see anything happen with baseball in terms of mobility yeah. or creation. Uh, the last new team to be founded, the last team to be moved was the Expos becoming the Nationals. Um, and before that, I don't think there's been any expansion since the 90s when they added the Diamondbacks and the Rays and um, a few others, I suppose. I don't recall fully. So yeah, to, to see, my time. Point being, seeing seven in, in one commissioner's tenure is pretty fucking impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, he The ratification of the NBA dress code was done under him. I don't fully know what that entails, but that does sound to be somewhat important. I'm fairly certain it's uh, it was like right at the end of his tenure where players could just kind of show up wearing whatever the fuck they wanted, and he basically changed it to like uh, I want to say it's like some kind of collar or like business casual. It's not like super strict, but it's basically like Allen Iverson can't fucking show up in like sweatpants and a football jersey. Sure. Um, I. Personally, I can't speak to why it's such a big deal. I just know that people who are into basketball reference it as being a really big deal. So I think a lot of times just having guidelines is important, or it'll, it'll at least make things like it's like one of the big things with um, dress code was politics. Uh, now, the NBA, um, one of the things that they let you do is they let you wear whatever whatever you want during warmups. And then you have to change. Um, and I know it was becoming something of a problem with the NFL because there wasn't and there's no, there was no rules, mm-hmm. and players were wearing shirts with like political messages on them during warmups and whatnot, and they were getting shit for it. And but there was no rule telling them that they couldn't, but the NFL wanted them not to, but they had no real like leg to stand on with it because nothing was written down, so there was nothing for them to enforce. Much the same way it was like the standing during the anthem thing. Right. There was no rule saying you had to stand for it because that would be insane. Um, and But the NFL wanted the players to stand, and the players said it's not against the rules. The NBA also says you have to stand for the anthem. Um, right. Which, again, politics aside, at least that there's something in there that can be referenced. So that was actually the um, that was the thing I was thinking of. The NBA allows them to wear shirts with political messages during warm-ups as their form of um, political statements. Mm-hmm. And then everyone just stands for the anthem 
So that way you still get to have your politics be known. Mm-hmm. And we still show, I don't know what the fuck their reason is, uniformity with the standing or fucking whatever it is. I think it it's is. like a respect thing. Which sure. it, I don't want to get into it again. Because people but, in yeah. wheelchairs don't love America. <laughs> right. Like it's, it's the most, whatever. Asinine. We should not yeah. go into it. Um, but I just looked it up. So the reason it was such a big deal is the NBA was the first league to have a dress code policy. Oh, okay. Um, and basically it was no sleeveless shirts, no shorts. Uh, you can't wear T-shirts, jerseys, or sports apparel unless approved or you know, team identified. You can't wear headgear when sitting on the bench or in the stands during media interviews. So you can't wear, you know, a flat brim snapback. You can't wear headphones. Um, I wonder you can't how Carmelo wear... Anthony got away with this then. God. I have no idea. You can't wear chains over clothing. You can't wear sunglasses indoors. And you can't wear headphones uh, other than on the bus, plane, or in the locker room. Interesting. So nothing crazy, but I could see why this was a big deal at the time. Uh, yeah, especially in like the 90s. <laughs> This was 2005. That was 05? Yeah. Wow, okay. Uh, anyway, moving on. Um, he also oversaw the renaming of the NBA Finals Trophy to the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Mm-hmm. He oversaw the NBA Finals MVP Trophy being renamed to the Bill Russell NBA Finals Most Valuable Player Award, and he oversaw four NBA lockouts, 95, Thanks. 96, 98, 99, uh, which is grouped into one. Oh, the 98-99 season. Uh, and 2011. That's a lot of lockouts. Yes. That's, I, I want to say that's a that's a peak of his career, having four lockouts under his, uh, uh, I guess, command, control. Uh, under his purview? That's a big vocab word. Uh, who's to say? Anyway, <laughs> his, so his, his passing is a, is a big deal in terms of the, uh, the um, culture and world of the NBA and... The progress it made under his under his tenure, and we'll miss him. So what's next? <laughs> uh, let's talk about torts. Let's go straight into the opposite of <clears throat> sad news and go into absolute absurdity. John Tortorella, which uh, if you are not familiar with John Tortorella, um, sorry, if you are familiar with him, this segment will make a lot of sense. If you're not, um, he is a head coach for the for uh, in the NHL right now. He's with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, Columbus Blue Jackets. He's also been with the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, he is an angry, angry man. <laughs> he is maybe the angriest person I've ever seen in hockey. I would describe him as a hockey savant slash psychopath. Yes. He looks like Christian Bale's character from American Psycho, just like aged 20 years. Yeah. A little that's, bit of facial hair and glasses. That's uncanny. Actually. Yeah. And he... Oh, my God. He's just so... He's just as angry as you're thinking. Like, I mean, he's not like he's actively spitting on refs as they as they walk by him. But it's like, wow, dude, how... It's like the game just started. Are you mad they dropped the puck wrong? Like, what's going on? He reminds me from the character of anger in the Disney movie Inside Out. <laughs> Okay, okay. Like he is the embodiment of just pure anger, and when he gets upset, it's like you see the flames shoot out the top of his head. Yes. So when I tell all of you that he was just fined twenty thousand dollars by the NHL for tearing into the refs during the Columbus 
oh, I want to say Blackhawks game. Doesn't matter. No. Columbus game for <laughs> I cannot ever say enough. Not fixing the clock one point one seconds. <laughs> this man went on a full rant that led him made him so angry <laughs> he walked away and refused to take any more questions for the duration of his post game conference. Over one point one seconds of 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 clock time, which I get. I get if you're a coach, you know, you mm. want everything to be right. You got your game plan. You got the, there's the correct protocol. You like it when refs follow the rules. Whatever your gripe is, it's 1.1 seconds. And he mentioned the times very explicitly. Multiple and times. Several times. And he was so mad, swearing at the refs and calling them out and calling the NHL out. He kept saying how shitty Toronto was. <laughs> um, well, the, I mean, to be fair. To be fair, huh? To be fair. Uh, they fined him $20,000 and said, hey, if you do it again, we're finding you twenty five. So, what do you think about that? I really hope he does it again. You know I he will. so much that he does it again. And I like, yes, he's going to do something again, but I hope he like does this, like the same level of anger, which again, very likely. I hope he calls this out by name. Like, I hope he says, like, all right, what, you're going to find me 25 grand? Fuck you. Something like that. That's for you, bitch. <laughs> a la CeCe's bath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I love that he's still in hockey, and I'm so glad he's no longer the coach of the Rangers mm. because that was a miserable existence. I could not imagine what it would be like having to deal with that guy just day in and day out. Just like, you want to know about your team? You want to know about an injured player? Let's try to let's try to dig that out of torts in this who do, press conference. Who do you think's the angriest coach in football? Oh, because um, I can't really picture too many angry coaches. Mike Vrabel, maybe. What team is he again? Titans. Oh, okay. I haven't seen too many Titans games because he's new, right? Yeah, he's he's in his like third year, I think. Is it that long? Um, oh, I'm thinking of the offensive coordinator that got moved to uh, uh, Matt Lafleur. Yeah. yeah. Um, Green Bay. I don't know. Like, you don't really see that kind of... It was Jim Harbaugh. Oh, by so much. Yeah. That man. Wow. Nick Saban in college is definitely... When he loses his temper, he loses his temper. Um, but I don't know. Like, it's it's hard maybe because... I feel like there's more the, muted head coaches than there yeah. are uh, robust head coaches. Because, like, Todd Bowles of the Jets was a muted guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bill Belichick is... Mike Tomlin. Is a nap. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's, it's hard. Mike McCarthy was a pretty laid-back dude. Guy's got, like, Pete Carroll, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. Like, now, Sean McVay does have, like, there is apparently a guy on the coaching staff whose whole job is to hold right. him back, but that's because he's more liable to walk on the field, which you're not allowed to do as a coach, than right. because he's overly Be angry. angry or anything. Yeah. yeah. Besides, every team has a get-back coach now. Yeah, because really, it's, it's become just a rule. strength yeah. and conditioning coach. Uh, what about baseball? Oh man, um, Joe Girardi was always liable for a blow up, but he was pretty yeah. calm when he wasn't. Right, like that was the first guy to come to mind, just because I really don't know a whole lot of baseball managers off the top of my head. And a lot of the really angry ones are out of the game. Earl Weaver is right. not around anymore, obviously. Um, Bobby Cox isn't around anymore, Bobby obviously. Cox. Yeah, thrown out of so many games. Um, I can't. Man. Yeah. I 
Buck Showalter's coming to mind, but even uh, he's like when he wasn't when he wasn't again another guy when he wasn't actively g- getting tossed from a game. Yeah. I mean, he was sitting more than any other manager right. I can possibly think of. He I always sat there with ever, that scowl. Yeah, like I only ever picture him just sitting, staring at the field with that just fucking Buck Showalter, just like yeah, arms crossed. Nope. Yep, yep. Nope. Almost what are like you gonna he's do now, Buck. Ah, uh, God, I can't really think of too many other angry managers. There weren't. There aren't a ton anymore. That's still my favorite baseball video, uh, you know, like pot, like top three at least all time. It's just the guy in the stands just yelling at Buck Walter. What are you going to do now, Buck? Yeah. Uh, fantastic stuff. That was a good one. That was uh, the real low point of the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. Which is surprising that it was just that. Uh, oh, oh, well. Yeah. Uh, what do you got next? What do we got next? Um, I guess uh, John Dorsey was... Oh, God, right. That mutually agreed to part way with the Cleveland Browns on the basis that ownership and John Dorsey couldn't agree with how to go about, I guess, renovating. the. T- I, I want to say there was a specific word used. Retooling? I think retooling might have been it for next season. Um, and, man, it's just like right when you think the Browns are starting to fix things, they do something fucking crazy like this like it's so bananas it's so absolutely bananas because look did baker have his best year no did the browns break 500 no they came very close this year mm-hmm. you got to give them a ton of credit for going six and ten mm-hmm. from where that team was within the last I mean, that's gotta be their best record in the last five years oh yeah oh um yeah. certainly the last three or four but if you if you look at what the shortcomings have been with the Browns since John Dorsey has come aboard, it's not roster. No, like the roster has been so drastically improved and getting better every year. It's been a coaching issue, you know, at the forefront throughout this entire season and through you know the past couple seasons with Hugh Jackson there, Freddie Kitchens, whoever it may be that you want to put the blame on. I just I don't know how you can bring in a guy who has the c- successful career that John Dorsey has. He has proven himself to be able to build up teams like this. He has turned your roster. I mean, people were talking about the Browns as favorites to win the AFC North before the season started. Just by the strength of, of that roster, yeah. Exactly. And I just don't know how you could have a conversation with him and think, this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. And gotta love Jimmy Haslam for just constantly meddling his way or the highway. It's, I mean, it's, it's insane. He fucked him by forcing the GM to pick Johnny Manziel first overall. Which I mean, my God, it wasn't first overall. It wasn't, oh, it wasn't first, first overall. He in was, yeah, round. sorry, he was their first pick. It's not first. Easy, but, easy mistake thinking he would do something like that, but yeah, yeah. Uh, real, real quick. Uh, actually, I forgot that they went seven, eight, and one last year. Wow, really? Yeah, if that does not record? feel like it. Yeah, they they, tech- went, they won seven games last year. Yes, I know. It's a weird thing to 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 realize because I know it, they had a good second half of the season, but I didn't know it was like. That much better than, wow! I'm very much surprised. So their first game of the season, they tied against the Steelers. Uh, then they oh, lost to the Saints. They beat the Jets. They OT lost against the Raiders. They OT beat the Ravens. Uh, lost the to the Chargers. OT lost to the Bucks. Lost to the Steelers. Lost to the Chiefs. So at this point, they are two six and one. 
And then they beat the Falcons, beat the Bengals, lost to Houston, beat the Panthers, beat the Broncos, beat the Bengals, and lost to the Ravens to end 7-8-1, which is just perplexing. Um, Year before that was the 0-16 season. Year before that was the 1-15 season. Year before that, 3-13. And and the year before that, 7-9. So... It's easy to realize, or it's easy to forget a good season when the rest of their past has looked like that. This honestly, though, just makes the Dorsey firing even more bizarre because his two seasons, yes, the Browns have only won 13 games. But let's see how many seasons it takes to get to 13 games before that. Uh, 2017, zero, so that's zero. 2016, one, so there's one. 2015, that's three, so there's four. 2014, that's seven, so we're at 11. And then 2013, we are at four, so we finally crossed the 13-game threshold. And it only took one, two, three, four, five seasons of Browns football. Dorsey got to 13 in two. Like, and yes, was the record a game and a half worse? Yes, it was a game and a half, or maybe two games worse. I don't, I don't really feel like figuring that out. It's, it's a game and a half in my mind. Yeah. Um, but God damn it, man. I mean... Was the issue the coaching or was it the roster? Because well, it doesn't make sense to get rid of both guys. You have OBJ, you have Jarvis Landry, you have a, a still promising young quarterback in Baker Mayfield. Your mm-hmm. defense has great pieces. It's not the coach's fault that even Miles yeah. Garrett uh, got got tossed out of there. Like you have a top ten pick in the draft right now. You can get yourself pieces on that offensive line to like it's offensive line. It's not a position that needs a long time to develop when you're drafting them, you know, highly. I it's it's a it's easy to get this roster from where it is now to competing in a relatively short period of time. And obviously we don't know how the discussion went down between Dorsey and Haslam, if there was other things involved other than just how they were going to go about rebuilding this team. But it's hard to look at this at as anything other than what we've been saying it is. Just absolutely batshit insanity. It's a fucking mess. Um, Speaking of uh, GMs that that should have been fired, Dave Gettleman (laughs) still has a job. (laughs) But Pat Shermer doesn't. You're right. Pat Shermer has been fired. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is for the best. I, I did not love the Pat Shermer hire. I thought it was a little uninspired at the time. We definitely didn't see the kind of improvement we would have hoped, especially with a, a, a young quarterback and Saquon Barkley as basically the man who carries this team. I really hope they bring in someone young and exciting that can really unlock the young pieces of this offense still. There are still a lot of young pieces there. Um and yeah, I don't. It's hard to see why Mara would want to get rid of Pat Shermer, but not Dave Gettleman. Again, it's just one of those things that it's it's a boys' club, man. Yeah, I uh, I don't get the the call either. I I it this feels like a situation where both should have gone. This feels like the roster is weird and mm-hmm. um had not worked out. Gettleman was brought in to put the Giants into a win-now mode. They did not win now. They're now... F- they have to be officially rebuilding in their own minds, which means it might be time for a change of course. 
uh, and the coaching sucked. Yeah. And on the field and off the field because Pat Shermer was not great with the media. Um, and yet they're 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 halfway there. Uh, we you mentioned young coach. We talked about it before the show. Matt Rule makes a lot of sense here. Um, I would very much love to see Matt Rule in New York. Yeah, it was, I know. I know it was talked about last year going to the Jets. Maybe the other side of this would be even better. Yeah, he was a big fan of getting the chance to work with Sam Darnold in part because he was young and. Mm-hmm. He'll have a new chance with Daniel Jones if he chooses to accept it. With another young quarterback to try to develop and, and take into uh, um, the next level of his playing phase in the New York spotlight. But uh, the fact Gettleman's still working in the city is just weird. Did you see what he was saying about the Leonard Williams trade the other day? I, I saw it, but I didn't fully go through it. Uh, what, tell me about it. Basically, he was saying how they was wanted... The juice comment? No, I don't think it was. Basically, he was just saying how he wanted to trade for Leonard Williams so that they could see what he offered with the team before free agency started, which that just doesn't really make sense why you would give up draft picks so you could see a guy who's played for four years play a little more in your system. I get like wanting to see a guy in your system, but... You're trading relatively high draft capital for a guy you have to now go and re-sign and would have been a free agent anyway. Not only that, but re-signing him also makes your pick uh, that you're giving up be a better pick. Right. Um, Yeah, the fact that they traded for him was weird. Um, For Just for reference, uh, Leonard Williams this year, Altogether, seven games for the Jets, eight games for the Giants, only five of which were as a starter. Um, he, That's not great. He had one forced fumble. That was that was for the Giants. He had a half had a half a sack. All season. All season. That was oh, for the Giants, my. though. So look at how much production they got out he of that. Half a sack all season. That was, yeah. He wow. he had forty six uh, combined tackles. 26 for the Giants, 20 for the the Jets, 13 solo tackles for the Giants, 8 for the Jets, uh, 13 assists for the Giants, 12 for the Jets. He had two tackles for loss. Both were with the Giants. 11 QB hits for the Giants, five for the Jets. Um, this was this was a this was a very bad season for Leonard Williams, and this was a terrible trade. Yeah, <laughs> for oh the Giants. Great for the Jets though. Yeah, wonderful for us. We were not going to resign him anyway. He was playing yeah. so poorly. I know hindsight is twenty twenty, and obviously, and today's twenty twenty. Pre- oh yeah, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> hindsight is today. Um, I don't know how, as an owner of an NFL franchise like John Mara is, how you could look at someone who is making decisions like this and saying that is well thought out. I agree with the theory behind it, and I want you to continue making more of those. And saying you get to stick around while we fire the guy that you hired, it just it. <laughs> I know we're armchair scouts and armchair GMs, whatever you want to call us. We're sitting in on a couch recording a podcast. I don't know how these people can get away with making such shitty decisions all the fucking time. That's the most perplexing thing because it's one thing when you see a decision take place that doesn't work out, and you go, "All right." I understand what happened here. Mm-hmm. 
the outcome doesn't always work, but maybe the process And again, was like right. the David Gettleman hiring, they brought him in because they truly believed that like this year, or I guess uh, it was 2017, um, whatever year it was, we need to try one more time with Eli. We need to give him one more push. We still think he has it. We still think that this roster has, has talent, juice, the whole nine, and it didn't work out. And, you know, people criticized the David Gunnman hiring at the time. They criticized the thought that Eli Manning could be a winning quarterback at the time. But I can still respect the swing. Mm-hmm. You know, I can still respect the fact that it's your franchise quarterback. He's been with the team for, again, at this point, I think 13 years. Um, at that point, at that point, I should say, not at this point. Um, at that point. And you really wanted to give it one last go before you officially kind of turned things back and rebuilt the team and moved on. But now what? And that's the kind of, not even foresight, but just just presence of mind that seems so absent from teams. Because um, they're either too disengaged, like the Mars are in some aspects, and aren't in others or they're way too engaged like the Haslam's are <laughs> uh, because Haslam should have just left that shit fucking alone told Dorsey look kitchens didn't work out or I don't like kitchens or whatever the fuck about kitchens fire him get me someone new if he really wanted to be that engaged mm-hmm. or he could have waited till Dorsey said hey kitchens isn't working out <laughs> I'm gonna fire him that cool and he would go do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. I know it's easy to point to the Yankees for success, and in part it's because of their money, yes, but in also part it's because of their GM and their ownership. Because yeah. the Steinbrenners of today, not George of the 90s and prior, don't do anything. They just bankroll the team. Now, part of that's because Brian Cashman is quite possibly the best GM in sports, certainly the best GM in baseball, um, and so it's easy to have faith in a guy like that, but he also has the ability to do what he wants to do because ownership isn't involved as at least as much as they, as they are in some other teams, especially in New York. So if you want things to work out, you have to decide how engaged you're going to be. And for most owners, it's not a lot because guess what? Really Just because you have the money to buy the team doesn't mean you know how it works. I bought my car. I'm not going to fix it. I have no fucking clue how to fix it. It was a big, expensive purchase. I'm never going to learn. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah. You pay a mechanic to do it. Yes. When I really absolutely need to, I go and pay a mechanic to fix it. And not a day before. Um, but it just... I God, I, I, Look, man, I get you love sports, and that's why you own the team. Or if you're John Mara, your daddy really loves sports, and he gave you the team. <laughs> um but fuck, man, leave it alone. The best thing that John Mara could do right now, now that John Dorsey has been fired, fire Dave Gettleman and hire I was John the Dorsey. the same thing. I was thinking the same thing. There's a significant, like, no matter what you think of Dave Gettleman, there should never be some, like, there shouldn't be someone out there that looks at both of them and says, oh, Dave Gettleman's better. Dave, but Dave Gettleman's better at his job. No, no, no. John Dorsey is always been better at being an NFL GM. Maybe not always, but bear with me. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Fix it. Is <laughs> the, the the answer is right there. John Dorsey doesn't have a job. He should have a job. He will have a job. Oh soon. yes. 
he might sit out this year, depending on how it goes. Like he fuck, did he might after, go to the Redskins. Yeah, after leaving the Chiefs, because Bruce that Allen would just be got something. fired. I don't know if he would, just because they've already done their coaching search, and I feel like he's done with shitty owners for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but man, it it's it's hard to think of a better hire right now than John Dorsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, speaking of the Redskins, they hired Ron Rivera as their head coach yeah. and have announced that they will be hiring. I'm not sure that it's been official that they've yes. announced it. It is official? Yes. They are also going to be hiring Jack Del Rio as defensive coordinator. Absolutely love this. It's an amazing coaching decision. Ron Rivera, fantastic defensive-minded head coach. Jack Del Rio, fantastic defensive coordinator. He did not have a great run as being a head coach, I, uh, most honestly, recently for the Raiders. I don't Raiders. think he was that bad with the Raiders. I don't His think he was either. way short. I think this is a fantastic way to start building your coaching staff uh, with these two guys. The Redskins have a lot of good pieces on defense. They don't have the... You know, the superstar player, really. Um, I mean, maybe you could consider, you know, Ryan Kerrigan that. Josh Norman definitely isn't. But whatever it may be, um, they have a very good foundation for a defense. They have... And they could make it a lot better with that second overall pick, I believe? With with Chase Young? It's almost certainly going to be Chase Young. Yeah. This is so great for them. It almost makes you have hope that Dan Snyder's not going to fuck this up. And not only that, just to give you even more hope, if you're a Redskins fan, next year you your quarterback room is no longer um, fucking, what's his name from the Vikings? Uh, Case Keenum. Case Keenum and Colt McCoy. It now becomes yeah. Alex Smith back again, should he choose to stay well, in the NFL. They do have Dwayne Haskins. And then Dwayne Haskins. Right. Which would be which is great cuz now you have Dwayne Haskins working with I'm not going to say he's a great QB coach just cuz I don't know that, but a guy who did oversee Cam Newton become mm-hmm. the quarterback that he an MVP. Right. Um and you'd have to believe that Dwayne Haskins will have the room to grow into a good quarterback with that and at the very least you have the fallback of Captain Checkdown. Again, should he choose to go back into the NFL, uh, servicing as a serviceable starter or a decent backup? I know this is a pipe dream, but if they can somehow convince Joe Brady of LSU to come to the NFL and be offensive coordinator for the Redskins, this team would be so far ahead of where they were this past season. It would be incredible. Having Joe Brady for Dwayne Haskins, having Alex Smith there, even if he... You know, this injury being what it is, I doubt he's going to play a snap next year um, just for health concerns and rehabilitation and all that. I don't I don't know where he is right now, but having a guy who could, you know, look at what Alex Smith and uh, Pat Mahomes says he would was able to do for him in Kansas City. Having a guy like that who can now be on the sidelines with you for Dwayne Haskins, having Joe Brady design a system for Dwayne Haskins. And then, like we said, with the defensive side of the ball, this could be a very different team in the coming years. What would you think, to- total side note, and we will get back to the main topic, what would you think about the uh, Redskins restructuring Alex, or the manner of Alex Smith's contract to make it a little bit less money, and then hiring him as like a special assistant? Love it. Just to work with, not, that way you don't, you don't have to call him the QB coach, because that'll probably go to someone with actual coaching experience, mm-hmm. but 
I mean, the, everywhere he goes, every every quarterback that's ever replaced him has loved him as a mentor. Whether oh, it was Colin, Ka- yep. yeah, Colin Kaepernick, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, you have to believe he w- he w- has a, some good uh, communication yeah. capabilities and thought for for young player that could be imparted upon. Um, fucking like what's his name? The quarterback. Who, Dwayne Haskins? Dwayne Haskins. Thank you. God, I suck with names. Listen, you're in good company here. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) No one has ever described us as being... No one's ever described us. (laughs) Yeah, no one's ever described us. People don't know us. But Um, but uh, yeah, this would be fantastic. And the last thing I'll say on it is this division is awful. Oh, yeah. This division is so... I mean, the fact that the Eagles won the division going 9-7... and is predicated solely upon the fact that the Gi- Giants and Skins suck. Like, if either of those teams managed to split, because I think the Eagles swept both teams, if either of those teams were man- able to split, the Eagles would have went 7-9 and, and nine instead of 9-7. Nine and seven. Right. Like, this division is bad. Right. If the Skins can be okay, just okay, like, legit, if they win 8-8 eight and eight next season... They would have an outside shot at winning the division. I That's would, how bad this division is. I would say they have a fairly good shot at winning the division. Eight because and eight the next Giants year. are certainly not taking a, a big no. enough step forward next year to win the division. Though they could, they could, I could see them taking enough of a step forward that they're not three and thirteen again. But they're not taking a big enough step forward to win the division. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys have not been able to get over the hump, and the Eagles are just weird. I am so like the Eagles have such a talented roster. Yeah, the Eagles by far have the most potential. But I, it's one of those things where uh, we've seen this happen with the Chargers. We've seen it with the Forty Niners. Uh, you know, even through this season for both teams, where injuries and their tr- like training staff are such an issue. I'm not gonna. Fe- I'm not gonna pretend like they're gonna be healthy next year and everything's gonna work out until we see it. Because there's no reason to expect that they will be. Um, Not until we show it to you. Yeah, and with the Cowboys, the rumor is that the entire coaching staff is being laid off. Which would be amazing. Right. I, I mean, Kellen... For, for me. Ke- yeah. It's not oh, so yeah, involved. Yeah. I think Kellen Moore should stay. I wouldn't be against getting rid of the rest of that staff in its entirety. Um Again, it's one of those things. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, apparently Jason Garrett had his third meeting with Jerry Jones today, which how, I can only assume how you need that many meetings. Which I can only assume means that that Jason Garrett's about to get promoted to uh, head coach and GM. Yeah, <laughs> because at this point, why not give him more power? Right, like uh, the fucking memes. If that were to happen, I would die. Cowboy fans, that's your silver lining because you'll never stop laughing. It may be because you're crying as well, but you will never stop laughing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jesus. Oh God. That'd be so beautiful. That would be. That would be. Do we have anything else on our on our docket uh, for today? We do. I was just about to pull that up. Um, let's see. So we talked about John Dorsey, Redskins, Pat Shermer, Doug Marone. Still has a job, Yeah, I, I, I claimed that he was fired because I had gotten a notification um, and just blankly believed in it. That said that he was going to be let go um, after the conclusion of the Jaguars regular season. And then two days later, he uh, it got announced that, no, no, we're going to keep him, which I don't get. Um, yeah. It's not that I think he's doing a reprehensible job, much the way that Jason Garrett likely is, just because he's had so much time and, and 
talent around him and it's done nothing. Mm-hmm. But it's he's far from been doing a swell job. Yeah, it it I don't I don't want to toot my own horn if this is could be considered that, but the fact that I can't even remember this guy's fucking name should tell you how forgettable of a job he's doing. Because I feel like I know most of the coaching staffs in the NFL. Like I could do a pretty good job naming like the major players for most teams. Um, I it took me like six times to figure out who this guy fucking was over the past two episodes. Yeah, and this they seem like they're in a good spot where they could fire him. Try out someone new, like I'm not saying Matt Rule himself, but that kind of guy, like a right. college head coach who's looking to make that transition in the NFL, or someone in a different coaching tree who's been showing really good promise with their respective coordinating responsibilities. Ready, something new. They seem like they're 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 in a good spot for that, and they are destined to be what you think of the Jaguars as being forever. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like uh, this has been talked about a little bit. 2017, when they went to the AFC Championship game, that clearly has been a fluke. Not w- like it was. Blake the Boros absolute- is a fluke. <laughs> no. <laughs> it that's something you really just have to put behind you and realize that this isn't a team that could compete anytime soon, and. You can't just pretend like bringing in a guy like Nick Foles or having a healthy old line for Leonard Fournette is going to mean that this is a team that can compete for the playoffs or a Super Bowl right now. Uh, they definitely do need to figure out their long-term plan. Long-term plan, excuse me. I can't say with confidence that's what they're doing right now. And again, this is it's just uninspired in my mind. Uh, last thing I have to say before we move on to our holiday statistics. What do you think of Matt Rule just openly turning down an opportunity to get interviewed by the Browns? Did did that happen? Yes. Like recently? Yes. Yikes. Like Matt Rule got an offer like to be interviewed for the head coaching yeah. job in Cleveland and said, no, thank you. I know he talked about in the press conference before uh, tonight's bowl game that he had all the intentions of returning to Baylor. Uh, that's usually just empty coach speak. Oh, 100%. Uh, turning down an interview for Baylor or for the Browns is hilarious. Yeah. Because he was, you know, he interviewed with the Jets plenty last year. And apparently he he has expressed, I don't, again, this is one of those updates, you take it for what it's worth, mm-hmm. expressed interest in um, the Giants coaching job. And there was another team I can't quite recall the Giants sticking out the most, obviously, because mm-hmm. they just recently created a vacancy. But um, oh, really, who they uh, who they fire? Doug Marone. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, but the fact, yeah, tur- I've never heard of that one. Turning <sighs> down an interview. I've heard of it before in cases where, like, it was guys that were like clearly not ready to take over an NFL franchise and wanted to stay in college or whatever it may be. Um. Or guys who were having such great success in college that it really didn't make sense for them to go to a shitty NFL team. But the Browns don't exactly have a shitty roster like we talked about. And as great a job as Matt Rule's doing in Baylor, at Baylor, excuse me, clearly there's, you know, like when there's this much smoke around one guy going to the NFL, there has to be 
some spark, some flame there driving him to want to go to the NFL. But turning down this Browns interview is hilarious. You know what the Browns have in spades? What? Dysfunction. Uh, They uh, suck. uh. And it's so fucking obvious. I get why a coach wouldn't want to go there. Freddie Kitchens got one season. Now, don't get me wrong. Some coaches should get fired after one season. But what kind of security can you hope for where the GM got fired after two seasons and the head coach got hired, fired after one season? It's it. Who wants to who wants to be a part of that? Uh, clearly not Matt Rule. Yeah, now, <laughs> or now, John Dorsey. Not when you have your your choice, you know. Not when not when you're the bell of the ball. But anyway, uh, any final thoughts on anything else? Uh, what are your thoughts on Mitchell Trubisky being announced as the Bears starter for next year? <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> to the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, right. The Minnesota Vikings, and I don't have anything to say about the Lions. Um, look, maybe maybe they really do still see something in him. The, the front office has liked him since they drafted him. Otherwise, they wouldn't trade it up to do it. So you have to believe that he's... It, their record's not bad enough for them to really get a good quarterback. Um, they're not bad enough that going full rebuild is really on the table yet. They're not good enough that drafting a quarterback is going to push them over the edge. That division's too tough. I mean, the two teams ahead of them won, went 10-6 and six and 13-3. and three. That's that's a lot, you know. Uh, what else are they going to do? If, if there were the Lions, know, you know, and um, they were they had Matt Stafford but paying him Mitchell Trubisky money, then, yeah, move on. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing there. He you, you guys sucked. He sucked. The team sucks. And you have a good draft spot. Fuck him. But the they they're not they're they I don't, oh they're not going to yeah. Th- this though I think is his make or break year. Uh, it it has to be because if it's not that it's absolutely crazy if it if it's not because with Jameis Winston you can you can see it more because he's gonna he threw five thousand yards this year right it's fucking nuts he has so much talent he just also has turnover problems and to you know, put it to put it nicely yes and if you know you can you can. You can ogle those good offensive numbers and talk yourself out of the turnovers. Mm. You can say he, if we could just maybe if he just threw for a thousand fewer yards, <laughs> he could cut the turnovers in half. Right. What are you looking at with Mitch Trubisky? You're not looking at anything. There's nothing positive there on the passing. There's nothing even overly negative on the like the turnovers or like like the bad side. He just is there. And you have to hope that he can show... If he had Jameis Winston's 30-30 season next year, I think the Bears would love it. Or, um, I think they would take it. Yeah, because that they would definitely is, take it. Because the defense that they have is just so much better exactly. than the Tampa Bay defense that, like, look, 30 interceptions is brutal. But the Bears could probably overcome that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tampa Bay can't. So... It's easier to give a guy like Winston the amount of leeway that he has been given in Tampa Bay and not afford the same to Mitchell Trubisky. So this has to be his last year. Yeah, I mean, Mitch can't throw further than five yards down the field, and he can't throw to the left side of the field. It, it He just limits you in so many different ways, and he's just so incredibly inconsistent with how he throws the ball, his mechanics, just... He hasn't improved really since coming into the NFL, 
and it's it's been long enough where you really need you can't just tread water with him right now you need to make a decision yeah he's either your guy or he's not and he's really not shown any major reasons why he should be your guy no he is not um he I look, I'm looking at his stats page right now, and it's just so whatever. 3,100 yards, 17 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, um, 6.1 yards per attempt, 9.6 yards per completion, 209.2 yards per game, and 83 quarterback rating. Like, it's just so fucking whatever. That is very much how I would describe that. Yeah. All right. Now you ready to... Let's do some New New Year's stats. Okay. Uh, 83% of Americans spend less than $200 on New Year's Eve celebrations, and that actually feels like a lot of money. I don't know what you would be spending that much money on. Exactly. Like food? Booze? Yeah. Yeah. Do you decorate a lot for New Year's? I feel like if your house is decorated, it's probably still mostly your Christmas shit. Right. Like it's Who's been tearing it down? Less than a week. Yeah. So you maybe have a hat, some glasses, and some like noisemakers. If you're spending two hundred dollars on noisemakers, that's a concern. It, uh, it has oh, to be alcohol, fireworks. Ooh, that's true. Fireworks are expensive. And if you're in a place like Jersey, you have to smuggle them. Yeah. So. It, <laughs> someone tried describing or uh, tried explaining to me the complete set of laws about fireworks in New, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. It's fucking wackadoo. Yeah, it's like in Jersey, it's not illegal to own them, but you can't buy them here and you can't bring them across state borders. So mm. if you do get them here, you can have them and you can set them off, but you aren't allowed. It's fucking you dumb. You can't get them, but you're allowed to have them and use them. You well, can make your own, I guess. I, I don't know. Fucking, it seems so much riskier. Uh, it's also hilarious if, you, uh, if you're if you taking the local um, interstate highway uh, 78, the first thing you see when you cross over from New Jersey to Pennsylvania is a fireworks store. Mm. It is right there on the border. And if have you been in one? Yes. They have separate sections for which state you're from. Yeah. Because people in PA can't buy the cool shit that people from out of state can buy. It's so they have fucking like hilarious. Two sides of the store with like a half wall in between so that you could peek over and see all the cool shit that other people can buy. But you can only look at the fucking sparklers and bottle rockets. <laughs> 24% of Americans plan to celebrate at home. Good. Yeah. Which is where you sh- I'm surprised 76% of Americans go out. That actually is That's a lot. much more surprising when you flip those numbers like that. It's funny how stats can be misleading. Yeah. Uh, Se- 76%? Uh, yeah. That's a lot of going. That is. Yeah. I don't. Uh. I usually stay. Like, granted, we oftentimes have people over, but. We're almost always doing shit at home and not going places. I went out last year to a casino and... A casino on New Year's? Oof. Yo, I never saw so much money get dropped as I did on a casino. Yeah. I was sitting at a blackjack table. I had, I had brought $100 to lose and I lost it all. I spread it out, though. I spread it out three hours, I think, before I ended up losing all of it. Uh, and these two dudes sat down next to me and each one of them lost... Five hundred dollars in under five minutes, Oof. and got up from the table and were like, "All right, you want to look for like a holding table?" And I was like, "Y'all just lost a grand. Yeah. Y'all just lost a grand, and you're not even phased." <laughs> it was amazing. They lost every single hand of blackjack, which seems improbable. 
Re- oh, Betty the Minimum is being yeah. $25. Yeah. Have I ever told you the story of the only time I've ever been to a casino? What was it? Um, we went for my girlfriend at the time's birthday, and I brought like 50 bucks with me and was like, I just want to play cards for like an hour while you guys have like dessert or something. I'm just going to go disappear and play cards. Uh, apparently, I wandered into like the serious booth of where people play fucking Texas Hold'em. Okay. Um, and I sit down at this random table that was not the table they told me to go to as a novice. And I drop my $50 in chips down, start playing hands, have no idea what I'm doing. I still don't know the game I was playing because it was not the poker I'm used to playing at like my dining room table with my family. Um, but yeah, there was like eight other people there. They were all on a first name basis with the dealer. Wow. The, there was a very nice old woman who was telling me what I could and cannot do at the table because she could clearly tell I had no idea. Uh, and then I won like six of the 11 hands and like tripled my money in half an hour before I was like, I need to leave this place and never come back or else I will lose everything I have. Uh, yeah. 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 They can be fucking dangerous. Yeah, they can. Uh, 45% of Americans plan to celebrate New Year's Eve with family. I don't care about that, do you? No, not really. All right. 15% of Americans plan to attend a public event or go to... All right, so hold on. Fuck 15%, those people. 15% of, of Americans plan to go to a public event or parties. What are the other 61% of Americans who are going out doing? Um, Are they just Going out? to, like, friends' houses, maybe? But isn't that a party? Uh, I think public party is the uh, oh you think it's like there. a okay yeah like, like going to like New Year's Eve shit in um like, yeah, oh the bar I was gonna say the, the Times Square. Square yeah never go to that people don't let's never go to that. ever go to that as two people from the tri-state area anyone who wants to travel any distance to go do that it's a fucking all, idiot you could live in Times Square and I would say you shouldn't go to that if you live in Times Square first off move. Yeah. <laughs> um, move immediately. Uh, but second of all, you might want to like go to a friend's house to just avoid it. Maybe if you want to do research into what it's like living in like a the chicken farm where like in you're world? in a cage and you just have to like piss and shit on yourself. You can't eat. You can't move. And you just suffer in the cold. It It's the worst. It is truly the worst. I, yeah, I cannot fathom doing it. It's just bullshit. Uh, $16.40 is the average hourly rate for a babysitter on New Year's Eve, 20% more than any other time during the year. Can you imagine hiring a babysitter for your New Year's Eve plans? Like, you're not going to spend it with your kid? Yeah, like, for real. I get you might want to, like, go out and, like, do fun mommy and daddy shit, but, like, don't you also want to pick up your, like, son or daughter on New Year's and be like, Happy New Year, Jimmy! Yeah, like, they're your kids, and it's a holiday. I feel like there's not many federal holidays throughout the year. Usually you're spent like if it's Columbus Day, get a babysitter and go out and have fun. Oh, nobody yeah, gives a shit. shit. Veterans Day, yeah. Memorial Day, Listen, the ones where we love Memorial Day, we love Veterans we Day. Yeah. yeah, it's a day off from work, and and Daddy's trying to get turned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> New Year's, get your shit together, and like sixteen forty is what alcoholics pay people to watch their kids <laughs> on New Year's Eve. Also, who the fuck charges? Um, forty or, cents. Yeah, sixteen forty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're gonna call it either fifteen. We're gonna call it twenty, though, Jim. I'm not. Someone, I'm not fucking with pocket change right some now. Some high school girl who has taken like an intro to microeconomics class and is like, I could negotiate for more. The I know my normal rate sixteen dollars. Give me sixteen fifty. And that guy who's already drunk, who doesn't want to see his kid's face anymore, is like sixteen forty. Take it or leave it. 
<laughs> All I have is 40 cents. <laughs> Just an hour. Uh, 3% of Americans don't plan on celebrating New Year's Eve. That is so low. I, I was going to say, I think this might just be the amount of Americans who are currently comatose. <laughs> right? Like, there are probably, I would honestly say that that is like several um, uh, multiples of, fuck, I, I'm so fucking stupid. I don't know what word I'm looking for. That is so just astronomically lower than I thought it would be. And actually, it's so funny because the the barrier or the the, the qualifying um, um, the, I don't know the word I'm looking for either. <laughs> We're professionals. The, what it takes to say you're celebrating New Year's Eve, that bar is so yeah. low. <laughs> Cele- you could be celebrating New Year's Eve by just like watching a vaguely New Year's Eve themed yeah. movie or just by looking at the time and right. going, oh, it's 12.06. I missed it. Happy New Year. Right. Like, how do you want to qualify it? Because that... Again, like with Christmas, all right, dude. Maybe you go to church. Maybe you go see family. You put up the tree. You put up some lights. Any one of these things, physical, manual labor. Celebrating New Year's Eve is literally looking at a goddamn clock. You have to go so far out of your way to be one of those three percent of people that's like, nah, I, I'm not even acknowledging that it's a different year. No, <laughs> no. I'm writing twelve thirty two, twenty nineteen. I saw something today that like someone got like. An official document with December 32nd on it, which was fucking hilarious. That's tragic. (laughs) 48% of parents plan to count down the last 10 seconds of 2019 by 9 p.m. Um, That actually makes very much sense because that accounts for everyone's fucking mom that does it. And the 2% difference is gay parents. There you go. We've solved it, America. We've solved it. 12% of Americans fall asleep before midnight on New Year's Eve, which, again, I think is fine. That is so low. I feel like that's way lower than it should be. You know what's funny is I went to bed before my grandparents. Really? Because I get a text from my grandmother at like uh, 12.45 in the morning, and I had been asleep for half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) And Uh, I'm like, yeah, my my grandparents party a lot harder than I do. But, you know, I guess when you have the free time. I am very much looking forward to me like me reaching the point in my life where I give so little fucks about going out and drinking on New Year's Eve that I just can fully accept that it's a stupid holiday and I can just go to bed whenever I want. Yeah, especially I, I hate driving on that holiday. I hate driving home it's, on New Year's Eve because yeah. you can't, you have to drive home at two a.m. and you're just so suspect of like everyone else on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't like it. Fifty four percent of Americans plan to kiss someone at midnight. And 46% of Americans are uh, little bitches. Yeah, for for real, dude. Kiss your mom on the lips. It's New Year's. (laughs) Kiss your dad on the bow. Uh, 61% of Americans say a prayer on New Year's Eve. Is that a thing? I've never heard of that before. Uh, Well, they did, for this picture in this infographic, choose two very old-looking people. Yeah, that's that's telling right there. Honestly, I feel like 61% of Americans might just say a prayer on any given day anyway. You know? Okay. Honestly, yeah. I'm willing to accept that. I feel like that's just a question that's so... It's vague enough. Yeah. Yeah. 17% of the year's charitable giving happens in December. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. although I'm willing to bet most of that's probably from Christmas. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> America's favorite holidays, 78% say Christmas, 74% say Thanksgiving. Those are too high of numbers. This is no longer makes sense. 47% <laughs> say Independence Day, and then... 
41% say New Year's Eve slash day. I don't think they understand how percentages work. Or most Americans don't understand what the word favorite means. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> well, my first Either favorite way, holiday is Christmas. people are stupid. Yeah. Um, New Year's Eve travel, 11, or 112.5 million people will travel at least 30 miles from home for New Year's. Okay. That has to be worldwide because there's no way one in three people are traveling 30 miles on New Year's. Uh, I, I don't have a good explanation for what that is. Yeah. Uh, most popular U.S. destinations, Orlando, Florida, Anaheim, California, and Honolulu, Hawaii. You know what I I honestly think the first two are because of? I Or at least like a major thing reason like bowl games man that's like a hundred thousand people at least right there yeah granted i'm sure there's a lot more than a hundred thousand people going to those two places but that's a big chunk of people going there on new year's eve that makes a lot of sense uh it's sports related so it counts yeah look at that it fits right in Uh, i'm trying to skip past some of these really shitty ones because some of these really suck $165 $165 is the average price for a New Year's holiday round-trip flight for the top 40 domestic routes. That feels really fucking low. That seems super generic, too. Like, like how can you say that, like, this is the average price between two of... Like, there's so many different variables there that how can you get an honest average from that? You know what I mean? Yeah, it says it just says round trip. I'd almost prefer it to be like more specific, direct flights, yeah. normal times. Anyway, um, this section is actually just called New Year's Eve in Times Square. Let's talk about. How I, I want it is. to emphasize once again how New York is my favorite city. I love it there. Please don't go to this. <laughs> please, please, you will be judged so much. You will waste your entire holiday mm-hmm. so much money. You will be so miserable and, so miserable and no one will feel bad for you yeah and you know what at the end of the day who gives a shit that you're there no one like and you thing, saw a ball drop it's the same ball you see on tv there's nothing special that, that's about what being I was gonna there. Say, it's one thing when you go and you sit through a cold cold december football game and like your team wins and it's a cool memory because mm-hmm. it's like i was at that game you know that game my dad stuck out for the monday night miracle um, the Jets against the Dolphins, where they came back from like down by thirty or some shit. That's insane. Yeah, that's such a great story. That's a great. A great no one's. Yeah, I was in New York when the ball dropped in twenty twenty. Man, it was it was awesome. Um, uh, Gronk was there. I didn't say hi. Apparently so. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Steve Harvey hosted. It was wild. No one gives a fuck. Yeah, like unless you get there fifteen hours early. So that you could be in one of the front rows, which honestly, 15 hours probably still conservative. Yeah. You're not even going to see anything. Don't go to Times Square. (laughs) $1,160 is the average cost for a couple to enjoy dinner and a show in New York on New New Year's Eve. That is so fucking expensive. $402 is the average cost for a couple to enjoy dinner and a show in Philadelphia, the least expensive city. Really? New York was the most. Yeah. Philly? Philly. That's like a two-hour drive. Uh, One million people is the average attendance for New Year's Eve in Times Square. A million people are stupid. Yes. A lot more than a million people are stupid, but those a million people are <laughs> stupid 
definitively. I'm just saying that if we had to have like an internal genocide, <laughs> those are the first million people to go. <laughs> oh my god! Like if we that could be taken purge, so poorly, <laughs> but we don't care. Seven thousand police officers are on patrol in Times Square on New Year's Eve. Wow. 1,200 security cameras. That, honestly, that seems like a lot, but if you divided a million yeah, by 7,000, yeah. that's not a lot of police per people. Per the people. actual Jesus ball Christ. weighs 11,875 pounds. That's a lot. I don't didn't need to know that. I'm kind of glad I do. It's a 12,000-pound yeah, like, ball. It's a that's, big fucking ball. That's the first thing about this New Year's Eve uh, Times Square shit that I actually give a shit about. Yeah. Uh, it is covered in... 2688 Waterford crystals, crystal triangles. Okay. Sure. Um the same amount as three pickup trucks. All right, that's venturing back into useless. Uh 1907 is the first year the Times Square ball drop uh happened in New Year uh in, in Times Square on New Year's. Significantly Year. earlier than I thought it would be. I honestly never I I don't know when I would have guessed. I yeah. Fuck, that's actually we, I it never would have thought of it. It seems like something that people on cocaine in the 80s would come up with. Let's get a big glowing ball and just drop it. <laughs> <laughs> I heard I heard someone the other day, because they're talking about history shit, say that um, uh, the, the ritual of bringing trees in your house for Christmas was started in the 1600s. And, you know, your first thought is, oh, 1600s, that's a while ago. Mm -hmm. But my second thought is, well, Christianity is 1600 years older than that. Um, I don't know if that's true, but I'll take your word for it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you know, how do you how do you age that? It's 1600 years. You think the guy who thought of it 1600 years after the death of Jesus was like, hey, guys, you know how we've been going out in December and picking our favorite tree in the front yard? Like. It's cold out there. <laughs> Let's bring that motherfucker in. Did people decorate trees before this, and it took them until then to figure out, like, let's just put it inside. That's the way they made it sound, because, like, the decorating of trees thing is, like, old as fuck, but I guess the bringing of the tree in your house is newer? No. I really want to think that some drunk-ass motherfucker just was like, I'm going to cut a tree down. I'm going to drag it inside my house. That is lit by candles. So I'm bringing things that burn into my house full of fire. And I'm going to put that fire on it because of Jesus. (laughs) And we're going to put a star on top because it's night. (laughs) There is a comedy routine talking about this that I know I've listened to in the past. Yeah. That I died listening to. It's either Mike Birbiglia or Bill Burr. Like we're gonna take the tree from outside and put it in, darling. Where's where's the lights? I put them outside. That's definitely Bill Burr. Yeah, it feels Bill Burr. I'm definitely gonna bring that up so I can watch it tonight. Uh, there are two times the ball did not drop, 1942 and 1943, due to World War II light restrictions. So basically, I guess the city yeah. of New York said, "Guys, New Year's is canceled. Well, <laughs> Please go home." Yeah, I mean. I don't. Yeah, no. Let's not turn this into a history podcast. How Fuck you guys. how much Google do you it. think the ball drop pass, the ticket that gets you to the event, costs? I just saw it. Oh. I didn't realize it was a, it was much of a. Th- I thought you just kind of showed up. I thought that too. How much do you think it costs? Someone who thinks someone who doesn't want price gouging for the New Year's ball drop to be as insane as it is would say. 
$100 seems like a fair price to pay. Okay. Is that your guess? That That's going to be my guess. $200. Okay. That is like about a digit less than I thought it was going to be because, you know, capitalism's a thing and I feel like that would be fucking insane. You know what's really insane? What? I bought two tickets to see Wu-Tang Clan in concert right. for less than that. Like, people who I consider to be more of a, a god than, you know, god um, to see in person for less than to see a fucking ball of crystals fall in accordance to some clock that some guy has. While desperately trying to not shit your pants. Right. <laughs> Guys. You know the best part about the Wu-Tang Clan concert is they have this. bathrooms. <laughs> and you know what? They provide a gooder service that people actually give a shit about yeah 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 fat joe's gonna be there so is mob deep i mean like who oh. they, they ain't going to fucking new year's yeah Times square uh, uh i'm also outrageously excited for that and i will let everyone in the podcast know how that concert is and i bet it's going to be great i will live vicariously through josh uh 198 million people watch the uh ball drop on the u.s in the u.s so basically two-thirds of the u.s population i've never been to a new year's eve party that didn't have that on a tv somewhere uh we actually didn't watch it last night only because we were at kel's place and she doesn't have a cable hookup and we could not figure out where to get it on her laptop and we just put all up a clock instead that's really totally fine it worked out the exact same because again the ball drops just a clock essentially Yes, yeah, it really is. Um, 1.5 tons of confetti are dropped in Times Square on New Year's Eve. That's 3,000 pounds of confetti. That is so much fucking garbage that is going (laughs) to be added to... Oh, my God. Speaking of which, 300 sanitation workers clean up more than 56 tons of trash left in Times Square on New Year's Eve. That is significantly lower than I thought it would be. So 56 tons is 112,000 pounds, mm-hmm. um, and there's a million people who go. So that means that every one person is leaving behind, like, 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 a, like a, I guess, a quarter of a pound or a tenth of a pound of trash. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot of trash. Fuck people, dude. It takes 12 to 16 hours to clean it up. Fuck you. Also, fuck Times Square, but you know. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, all right. 360 million glasses of sparkling wine are consumed on New Year's Eve. 365 black-eyed peas is the number of you should eat for a year's worth of... Lo- is that a thing? You should be eating black-eyed peas on New Year's for a, for good luck? Listen, I don't know Fergie or Will I Am, but I can't imagine that they would approve of that. <laughs> uh, 0.094% is the average blood alcohol content on New Year's Eve, making it the most drunken night of the year. That's fucking hilarious. Further proving why I do isn't, not like to drive on that isn't day. Isn't 0.08 the legal limit? Yes. And the average is above that? Yes. Wow. Yeah. The average. Wow. 17.1% of emergency room visits on New Year's Eve are drug alcohol related most of any holiday. Yeah. Uh, honestly, that, that seems kind of low. Oof. Um, wow, this is these are some sad statistics. $20,000 is the average cost of a DUI or a DWI rest and conviction. 28% of Americans rely on restaurants for hangover food on New Year's Day. Again, very, very specific. Yeah, honestly, I fully believe that, though. Fuck people that want to, like, just suffer through it themselves. Just go to a diner, get some OJ, drink some mimosas, 
New Year's Eve is the busiest night of the year for illegal celebratory gunfire. That's hilarious. Yeah, that is hilarious. That's so funny. They should give everyone in Times Square on New Year's Eve a pistol. <laughs> they should not. <laughs> what is oh this, my God. New York in 1980? Yeah, what was this, the Joker? <laughs> Joker doesn't use guns, guys. He literally blew Robert De Niro's brains out. Spoiler alert. Oh, if you don't fuck you. It movie came out a while ago. Came out like this month, dude. No, it didn't. Yeah, didn't it? I don't think so. I think it did. You might have to cut that out. Nah. All right. Um, to our listeners who just had the Joker spoiled spoil to them, uh, I'm sorry. Blame Josh. Most popular days for car theft. New Year's Day. 2,571 car thefts, I guess, on average. I don't fucking know what, this, what these numbers are. Uh, New Year's Day is the, mo- is the most popular day for car theft. New Year's Eve is sixth most popular. <laughs> the days in between that, number two is President's Day. <laughs> That has to be a coincidence. <laughs> That's so funny. Number three, because number three is Halloween. Like, all right, that makes sense. Everyone's walking around, yeah. you know, whatever. Labor Labor Day. Okay. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Labor Day. Labor Day, number four. Number five, Memorial Day. Number six, New Year's Eve. Number seven, Independence Day. Number eight, Valentine's Number eight's Valentine's Day? That's hilarious. Imagine I'm single. I'm sad. I'm just going to eat Hot Pockets and fall asleep. Someone stole my car. <laughs> Oh, yes. Or you're having like a shitty Valentine's Day date. You're hoping to just get home and get laid. Go out. Fucking car's gone, dude. Or you had a great Valentine's Day date. And you're going home to get laid. Super romantic. Went super well. You had everything planned out perfectly. You guys are the right amount of buzzed. You're going home to just smash it out. And then, boom, you got to go file a police report. (laughs) Oh. Um... Yeah, there, there, there's more here. Uh, 37 million people are the audience of the Rose Parade. That blows my mind. Feels that, low. That many, honestly, I've never really watched the Rose Bowl Parade because I don't care for it. 37 kind of seems like a lot. This is a very specific one. Um, and if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you don't. Uh, 10,000 people perform each day in the Mummers Parade. I don't know what that is. And we will leave that a mystery. Again, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Um, <laughs> Eleven thousand two hundred eighty-three people is the number is the average number of births on New Year's Day in the U.S., which I don't fucking care about. Ooh, resolutions. I actually want to hear about this one. Forty-four percent of Americans make a New Year's resolution. That feels low. Do you have any resolutions? Uh, the same as it is every year is to survive. Haven't failed it yet. No one in your lineage has either. No. Yeah, it's a tradition at this point, I guess. Yeah, right. 31% of Americans who made resolutions did not stick to them. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Yeah, I'm surprised Wait, it's that... Only th- 31%? I was about to say, I'm surprised it's that low. Um, or that high. 77% of Americans set financial goals. 80% of resolutions fail by February. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, the top 10... Sorry, the top five New Year's resolutions. Number one, exercise more. 59% of people say to exercise more. Because um, no one does it. Number two is eat healthier because no one did number one. <laughs> number three is save money. 51 point, uh, 51% of people say that. Number four is lose weight because numbers one and two, I guess, weren't enough. <laughs> and number five is reduce stress because not only are you supposed to be eating less, saving more money, exercising more, and staying healthier, you're also supposed to calm down. And um, it's not going to go well for you. I wonder why none of these work. Yeah, shockingly so. Uh, and that's all I have. <laughs>
that that short half hour stint. Uh, what are, what do you have any goals for twenty twenty Corwin? Uh, again, survive is kind of it. I don't know. Not really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us, bunch of pioneers in our craft, looking to take over the world. What can I say? One meh at a time. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, anyway, we'd like to thank all of you for for a successful first year of the show. Yeah, this is, you know, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary. Uh, just about, yeah. Over the course of, of 2019, we have released 104 episodes, one of which was a mini-episode for the World Series, so 103 regular episodes. And we have amassed, um, let's see. Hold on. As I talk through it, well, bring up my calculator because I didn't think to do this beforehand. I'm almost done, so you'll hear the sound of me wrapping up soon. <laughs> I did that wrong. <laughs> no. Yada, yada, yada. Little no. this, little that. Um, 2,690 downloads this year. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, How'd you fuck that up? I hit, I, hit, I hit, yeah, multiplication nice. instead of addition. Um, it would have been a lot nicer if uh, that number you got first was real but no oh well yeah it would have been <laughs> phenomenal um but hey goals for next year you know uh, it, it's been a joy doing this making things up and talking about them <laughs> i couldn't describe it any better myself yep yep that's it um here's to a new year buddy let's clink our mics <laughs> Twenty six hundred people or twenty six hundred downloads this year. Twenty six hundred too many. <laughs> Why did you all do this? <laughs> You've made so many mistakes along the way. Anyway, uh, yeah, thank, thanks, thanks, appreciate it. Uh, not one of you fucks paid money for this, so fuck all you. Except Cal, she actually she bought us hats. Oh yeah, we got hats. They're yeah, we got hats. hats. I, I didn't wear mine. Today. Yeah, twenty six hundred dollars, twenty six hundred downloads, and two hats. That's a success. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Are you ready to get out of here? Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juice and Pod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at Juice the Numbers at gmail.com. And that's it. You salty fucks. We'll see, uh, we'll see you all on Monday. We'll see you this year. <laughs>